0: If like to hear the puffer play the characters that you cheer So join us as we go, go, go Below the Frame On this episode of Below the Frame We'll be speaking with Muppet writer Jim Lewis Jim talks about his family's funeral home business His career as a journalist And the time that Jim Henson fired him not really. But we're also going to hear another story written by our friend Jerry Nelson. So grab the paper towels and look out for boomerang fish. It's time to go Below the Frame. Go, 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 go. Below the Frame. Welcome to Below the Frame. Uh, I am assuming, if you're here, that you love the Muppets. But maybe you know somebody else who also loves the Muppets. It's possible, right? And, and if you do... Have you told them about this podcast? I sure hope so. Uh, my name is Matt Vogel, and I am one of the Muppet performers for both Sesame Street and the Disney Muppets. And I am your host for Below the Frame. And I got to tell you, I am having a blast talking to my friends and colleagues here on Below the Frame. It's, it's, it's so uh, fascinating for me to hear their stories, uh, their journeys, their obstacles. And I hope you're enjoying it, too. Well, on this episode of Below the Frame, I'm talking with Jim Lewis. He's not a Muppet performer, but he is the writer for the Disney Muppets, and he knows these characters. He knows Kermit. He knows Miss Piggy, Fozzie, Gonzo, all of the Muppets. He knows them so well, and they kind of live in his head, (laughs) and uh, he he sees himself in one particular Muppet. We will talk about that and a lot more as soon as you're ready, because I'm ready. Are you? I can't hear you. Okay, well... Until there's technology that allows me to hear you from my pre-recorded podcast space, I'm going to assume you're ready. Here we go. Let's go Below the Frame with Jim Lewis. Go, go, go. Well, Jim, thank you so much for being here with me today on Below thank the Frame. You, Matt. This is going to be great. I, I uh, am a big fan of your... You're a your writer, right? I am. I am. You're, yes. You're a writer yes, for indeed. The Muppets. I'm
1: writer a writer for big The Muppets. Fan of you. So, since uh, the mid '80s.
0: Well, that's. Well, let's go back before the mid
1: '80s. Where did you okay. grow up? New Jersey, Booton, New Jersey, a mythical town like Brigadoon <laughs> that only appears <laughs> over the horizon every hundred years. No, really? it's a, a nice, a nice little uh, Italian Irish and now Italian Irish Pakistani little town uh, in North Jersey, about 40, 45 miles from from Manhattan. And, um, yeah, just a, a great little place. I grew up there. I lived over uh, in a, over my family's business, which was a funeral home. So, Oh, really? Oh, like I don't that. know if I knew yeah. that. Oh, wait, I feel
0: like maybe I did yeah. know that about you, but can you tell me a little bit about your family in general? Like, I have two older brothers
1: and an older sister. They were all born right after the war. Then, By the mm. war, I mean World War II. Okay. 46, 47, 48, and then seven years later... I was born and it was a total shock. So I got to be like an only kid in a family with four kids. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. everybody was so, kind
1: of on and on yeah. much older. It video. was yeah. yeah, it was like the last hope of you know you know, my as or my as my mother said, we're Catholic, we have to have it. So yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And what did mm-hmm. what so your parents was it
1: a family business? Was it was the family funeral home? Family funeral home. I we uh uh my uncle had started the business. My mother and father worked for him, and we lived upstairs over the funeral home. You had to be quiet when there was a funeral downstairs. Um, um, yeah. But you know, people always were. I the nice thing was, whenever we had a funeral, the limo drivers would drive me to school. They would they would drive me you know, up to the like, you know, am like a second grader. I get pulled up to the school, and I'd start to open the door, and he said, "No, no, no, let me do it." And he'd oh. walk around the car and open the door like.
0: That's awesome. So, First of all, yeah, that's, how cool! Very
1: cool. And uh, you know, you grow up with something, and it's just—it's yeah. like you, you know, you're a puppeteer. That's yeah. kind of a normal thing yeah. for your kids. It's like, oh yeah, Dad, right. you know, Kermit, and uh, yeah. it's no, no big deal. You're just used to it. And it's the same for the funeral business. So, uh, <laughs> I and I figured out later on that it's you know, it, it's not dissimilar to what we do with with the Muppets because you're trying to make inanimate objects look lifelike and that's what you do in the funeral business so yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so that's what you did that's what yeah. your family did uh, that's
1: what well, you did yeah what there, kind you of things that one just sat other,
0: there, other than being <laughs> other than uh other than being driven to school when there was a funeral, was uh, a funeral. What, what kind of things did you do as a kid
1: oof uh watched a lot of tv i was yeah. the little fat kid who sat and watch TV, a lot of TV, a lot of, in fact, I used to go speak at high schools after I kind of had done what I started to do for the Muppets. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, your parents will tell you, don't watch the Three Stooges, don't watch Abbott and Costello, don't watch the. Mar-. I said, I use it every day. I said that stuff, all of that kind of shtick and that, you know, it, as I often say, if vaudeville ever comes back, I am so sad, you know, That's right, because yeah. I just I kind of steeped myself in all that. And then I had friends and, you know, did the normal kid things. Um, it was a great, it was a great time because, you know, now you can't, everything's play dates. Um, we would just like, Ma, will be back in, you know, five hours and, and then you go off right. and do what you did, so... It was a good
0: time. So, TV was a big part of your oh, yeah. of your formative yeah. years. And New you York mentioned TV. Three Stooges,
1: you mentioned uh, uh, Abbott and Costello, oh, and yeah. the Marx Brothers. And then, um, when I was, I guess, probably 10, I discovered, uh, and if people watching and listening aren't, aren't familiar with Gene Shepard, most people know through A Christmas Story, the, the yeah. uh, movie that he uh, was based on his works, but he had a a late night uh, radio show on W.O.R., and uh, he would be on for an hour and just talk about whatever was in his head, and he'd tell these great stories about growing up, and not only were they, you know, it was great storytelling and extraordinarily funny, but as I grew up, you meet I'd meet other people who said, "Oh my God, you listen to Shep too!" So it uh. became this little affinity group. Before you know, computers made affinity groups uh, more popular. Do you think any of those? I mean, did they
0: record those? Are those yeah, out there? Are those available? Oh, I'd yeah, love all, to hear those,
1: they are out there. If you go online, you can you can find you, can find you know. Them. And he did some things for uh, for PBS, Shepherds Pie, and. Uh, <laughs> Gene Shepard's America, which are good, but are on video. But, you know, there's a lot of of Shepard stuff out there. And he was just, he was genius. And his book, uh, his book, Uh, Christmas Story is based on uh, In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. Yeah. And then his other books are like Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories. But it was all about growing up. And even though it was in the the 30s and 40s that he grew up, it was all about kiddom and and being that. And it just gave you a sense of belonging and also just enhanced my desire to be funny for money at some point in my life. So. But did you know what that meant? Did you think, I'm going to be a writer? Um, I showed a little talent for being a writer, and it was the only n- recognizable talent I seemed to have. So I, had, I knew <laughs> I had to do something with that. Right. You know, I, I, I knew that I, I couldn't, uh, you know, I, I, was, I didn't want to go into the funeral business. You know, right. it's just, it's a tough room. I'll tell you, you're trying, it's a <laughs> it tough is. place to get laughs. It is. It's, it really I, is. I, I know you're out there. I can hear you not um, breathing is, you know, yeah, the big it, opening line and it never yeah. got a laugh. But, you know, it was, I knew I didn't want to do that line of work, even though that was open to me. And, uh, I, hmm. uh, I, I just, I knew something with writing. And so I eventually, uh, got a degree in journalism, you know, from, uh, yeah. going to, college at goddard which is a a small left wing socialist i mean i knew bernie sanders when he was <laughs> mayor of Burlington. I remember Bernie as the mayor, the crazy mayor of Burlington. So, uh, oh, oh, really? Is that, I, I is go, that where yeah. the is that where your university was? Was it in that? The, it was a, right. It was outside, about fifty miles from there. a Little town called Plainfield, uh, Vermont. It's, it was a great place to go to school. John, uh, who went there, uh, w- William H. Macy went there. David Mamet oh. taught there. We had the most number members of the Chicago Seven. Who were accused of causing the riots in Chicago? We had the most members on staff at faculty. It was yeah, yeah It was happening. Place. It was happening. No grades, and you you know you evaluate. You were evaluated uh, yeah. over the course of it, and you sort of designed your own curriculum. I would never ever let my children go to it was, school right. like that. It, yeah. But
0: for how did me, you? It how,
1: how were you able to go? Were your parents supportive of uh, that my idea? My parents didn't know better. They didn't know better. I was like the second, my sister went to school, to college, but none of my brothers had. And, and it was just like, this is where I want to go. Okay. All right. So, you know, so now
2: they my supportive. They were supportive, daughter, they yeah, were supportive
1: yeah. of you then. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it is, <laughs> they were supportive. They just, you know, please, he's gone. Let's be grateful for that. We don't care really where he is as long as he's, you know, okay. So yeah. Making, that's it, making a better person out of themselves. And of course I got out of that. I was, I had a, yeah, a degree in American Studies. So I, I was a liberal artist. I could paint mm-hmm. liberals. Yeah. Uh, I, I uh, <laughs> thank you. We're we're here all night. The second set is totally different. Um, I, 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 realized I needed to like find a way to apply those skills. So I went to journalism uh, school at Syracuse. I went to Newhouse uh-huh. for a year and got a degree there. I got a graduate uh, master's degree in in journalism because you're going to work in the papers. I was going to, yeah, and I did actually for uh, several years. It was a great training ground. I what worked. Pa- for, what paper did you work for? The advance, not the Staten Island advance, but there was an advance in North Jersey. It's uh-huh. since folded, but um, it was a daily newspaper. And I, you know... I learned. Did you come? You came back, your, back home. To yeah, work I was on that living paper? in New Jersey, North Jersey. I lived uh, in North Jersey, and uh, I lived at home because I, could, with what they paid at yep. the newspaper, I couldn't afford to live anyplace else. <laughs> and I wrote. You know, it was a small staff, small enough staff that you know there were five or six reporters for this whole, you know, McGill of a newspaper, yeah. and you just learned to. You know, you'd come in at midnight after covering whatever. And your deadline was like one thirty, and you'd have to write, you know, on demand all this stuff. I got, you know, I I always said, you know, the editor would say, I got 55 column inches to fill. I said, give me two facts (laughs) and a quote and I'll give you an article. And, you know, and that's really what you did. You learn how to, you know, you write under pressure, which is something that actually really was a great training for this. I'm always amazed in, you know... The entertainment business, people were like, "Oh, well, I have to wait till the music reaches me, and you know, I have to, I have to right. be in the perfect space to do it." To me, it's like I have bills to pay. I got to write, so <laughs> gotta you do, it do it now. yeah.
0: You did everything, all the kinds of
1: different pieces that you could do, like fluff yeah, feature pieces, and pieces feature um, pieces. Uh, you know, I covered sewer board meetings, zoning board, uh, city the crime. I go to fires, issues of the day, everything. Just literally, and yeah. I could tell you at the time I was so well versed in the different types of sewer pipe that you know, <laughs> you know, which you know, when you write for rats now, that comes in handy. You know, you know, it's perfect. See, you got to use kinda, what you know. You po- apply it, it to exactly. the next thing. Never collect it all because you never know what you're going to
0: use it all. That's a great so, piece yeah. of advice. So, what like around what I, year was this? When was this? That
1: was the late seventies. Late 70s,
0: Late so 70s, yeah. So were yeah, you in any way aware of of uh, the TV of the day, well, in particular the Muppet Show? Were you oh, any yeah. were you
1: aware of it? Um, I was, but I wasn't like I. I mean, I watched it. I loved it. I thought it was <laughs> hilarious. I had more my first introduction to Jim and and the whole Muppet world was uh, the Jimmy Dean Show with uh, oh, Ruth really? oh, well, yeah. Rolfe back in uh, back in the early sixties, and uh, it, it was those you know, were some it's, great it's, pieces. Some, oh, just brilliant, and just the full silliness, and the, the fact that, I mean, I think part of the magic of that was that Jimmy Dean and, and, and Jim were like these two Southern boys, and they were just having. They would riff off each other, and it was just that <laughs> he would just get such a giggle off of, of of talking to the dog that it was oh yeah great. And then and then of course all the stuff on Sullivan, you know all Ed Sullivan's yeah. uh, stuff was you know great. The Muppets, you know here they yeah, are, that's right, fabulous. So Muppets, you knew you,
0: know? <laughs> you knew about Jim Henson and you knew about the Muppets, yes. and then you kind of watched the Muppet Show, but you weren't yeah.
1: I mean, were you? I, you know, I actually, I m- my first girlfriend in high school, I, I wooed her with um, an Ernie and Bert finger puppets. I yeah, oh. I just had them. I for some reason, I, <laughs> I, I bought them? them? At like at like Spencer <laughs> gifts, you know, okay, which is still right. exists. And I had <laughs> yeah. an Ernie and Bert, and I was doing Ernie and Bert, and they, and she thought it was incredibly cute, and we dated. So that was oh. yeah. I, I I thank Ernie and Bert for getting me my
0: first date. I I wouldn't. So uh, you're, you're probably not going to, you're not going to do newspaper stuff. You, you, you decide I can't do this newspaper stuff anymore. Is that what you thought? I need to get a new Uh, job. Like, how did you, how did you move?
1: I, I got out of that by going to DC, Washington, DC, and I worked for an environmental group, as I always said. uh, And I was a writer for them. Um, it was a place called environmental action who really was founded by the people who did the first earth day 50 years ago. Um, and you know, great group. Uh, I just, I wanted it, to, I, the daily newspaper thing I could just see, I didn't have the, the sort of, you know, killer instinct to go for the evil story, you know, the, right. the dark, you know. You pay a quarter. You 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 don't get to know how somebody feels after, you know, your house just burned down. How do you feel? You're right. Uh, you, know, you can imagine. You know. Yeah. yeah. So um. So I went. I growing up in New Jersey. You know, toxic waste kind of is was part of the. I mean, you know, Superfund. I used to play on a Superfund site. So it's you know, <laughs> I sort of had a background and I had covered some environmental things when I was at the newspaper. Yeah. So I went to the that group in in New York in. D.C. for about two years, and then from there moved back to New York in probably the early 80s sometime, yeah, 83, 80s, I don't really remember, it's, you know. Well, you know, it it was a little bit of time ago, but still, so, but that was was moving to New York. I moved to New York with someone I was supposed to get married to and didn't, let's put Mm -hmm. it that way. All right. So, yeah, somebody who I, um, uh, we, we were engaged, but we didn't. And didn't. I married somebody else, and I'm glad for that. So, In the meantime,
0: when you're moving to New York, how did you get oh. a job with the Jim Henson Company? Oh. Well, what was it called what? at that time? It wasn't called the Jim Henson Company. H- Henson, Henson, Henson Associates. Henson Associates. Henson Associates.
1: I still have an H-A pin that's oh. uh, the Ha. Yeah. It was Because they gave those out after you'd been there for like five years or a year oh, or whatever, nice. I forget. But, um well done! Uh, How did you get a job? Yeah, ha! The, ha! Well, I at first when I moved to New York, I didn't have any connections or any anything, so I would just write for whomever. I, I did work for PR firms. I worked for mm. you know whatever. I my favorite was I wrote speeches because uh, I had never written speeches before, and but I, I I I I was in a guy's office. He goes, "Do you write speeches?" And I said, "Oh so, yeah, oh yeah." And I wrote speeches. And in one speech, and this is totally off topic, but in one speech, I came up with the, the phrase, it has the comfort of cotton and the performance of polyester. And I was like a legend around the office. Wow. So I was, you know, that was, I could have gone into the textile business. Let's yeah. put it that way, you know. <laughs> Even it's then just, you uh, had
0: a real knack
1: for words. Oh, yeah. That putting was putting them together. Yes. But, um, <laughs> no, then I, I got a job at uh, CTW, Children's Television Workshop, in their publishing oh, division. Um, yeah, I worked there for uh, Ira Wolfman, the great Ira Wolfman, who uh, was editor of... Uh, well three to i think he was editor of three to one contact at one point, and then he was oh, they started a computer magazine called Enter and I was uh, a staff writer and whatnot and I did interviews with uh who- met, you know whatever was out there and just wrote about computers knowing very little i mean it was at the birth of the computer uh, games and all that. And it was aimed at kids. And it lasted a couple of years. It was, it was a, yeah. a lot of fun. And um, through that, I found out about Muppet Magazine. And right. Muppet Magazine was the mid-'80s after The Muppet Show. Um, yeah. Really, launched right around in, It when...
0: launched in January of 1983, I have here in my research. Wow, you're good. Yeah. You're good. It was a so quarterly was... magazine, which you know, Jim-
1: Yes, that's true. That's, it was a quarter.: I was putting it out monthly. I <laughs> wonder what happened. There are lost issues between. Unbelievable. They, they pushed them all together into one one and thing. They, but, they, pay, they it, paid me like, like it was an annual. No. Um, no, I got a job there. I, I went It was published through a, um, a place called Welsh Publishing, um, And um, I got a job there doing that as an editor. Um, wow! Muppet so you went magazine. from just
0: you went from writing from yeah. kind of staff writing, I guess yeah. on on this CTW yeah. magazine to mm-hmm. editing Muppet editing, Ma- the Muppet writing magazine. and
1: editing. Yeah, I mean it was like I was I was also the staff, but I got to work with. <laughs> now
0: that's not true. There were there were some good people yes. that worked yes. that worked
1: on that magazine. Fred yes, Newman and uh, right, Fred. Fred was there. Uh, David uh, Granger. You don't uh-huh. know who that is, but he I don't, was Ralph I don't. the dog. He was Rolf the dog, and then he became editor of Esquire. Uh, he was the editor for many years, for like ten or fifteen years of Esquire uh, magazine, uh, you know. And he, I think, he really desperately tried to bury the fact that he'd written as Rolf the dog, but you know, oh. he never, you know. We actually, when he, he retired from that. Esquire, we we shot a piece with Rolf. Saying, you know, where's where's the copy? Come on, where you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for my next column. You know, so. Um, but the, the thing great. about Muppet Magazine, it was all written in the voice of the character. It was as told to, yeah. uh, and we interviewed. M- the major part of my job was, trying to attract celebrities to do the magazine, and we got some great people over oh, the man. years. We got oh, Robin we, Williams. You know, yeah, Robin Williams. We did uh, Pee Wee Herman, uh, Steve Martin, uh, Isaac Asimov, uh, uh, the, yes, Christopher that's a great Um yeah. You know all of these, and put putting them together. Um, I did get Rodney Dangerfield, but uh, I had to dump him. This is oh no! Why? 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 What? Why? What Labyrinth. happened? Labyrinth. Labyrinth they wanted to put Labyrinth on the cover because it was... But, so but, so Jennifer then, Con- so, that was sorry. Jennifer Connolly then, yeah. she, she took so, over Dangerfield. So it's like, I feel like I'm like part of Dangerfield's you know, I just like, he got no respect from Huppet Magazine. It just so. Like, Wait, so let me ask you this, so did yes. a piece get written with no, Dangerfield? No, no we them. never Because what we do is I do an interview with them, and talk yeah. to them, I ask them, we decide which character was going to do the interview. Okay. I do, do an interview, and then I write usually it would be a dialogue, it would be like a little script in the magazine as a as an interview between whomever yeah. and that, and they would ask it, like, you know, we did to Dr. Julius Strangepork, uh, yes. although I, I wasn't with there for Isaac this, Asimov, yeah. with Isaac Asimov, you know, and yeah. it was just, it was great fun to be able to do that, and, and you know, when people, you tell people the Muppets want to interview you they were like oh yeah and it and um, the only person who had no idea who the Muppets were was Chuck Yeager the right stuff uh, the oh, really yeah the pilot, the pilot? from um, he goes yeah. well, Muppets what 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 exactly is that and I you tried to explain it to somebody who had no clue about it and I yeah. just said well, he had it's, better things it's for to be doing yeah he was yeah you know going at <laughs> the speed of sound and he hadn't caught up yeah. with it so um, that that and then my greatest experience Experience with that was uh, meeting and spending a, really a whole day with John Candy, oh. who was uh, just magnificent. He was living in Toronto at the time. He flew down for the day to do a photo wow. shoot and uh, sit down. And then he had extra time before his flight. So he said, Come to the airport with me. We'll have some beers. And um, yes, and she went to the yeah. airport with John Candy and drank some beers. And it was just like, <laughs> I still. Awesome. And I told him, I said, You know, I really want to write. Comedy, and he goes, "Well, then do it. You should just do it. What the heck? You never know what's going to happen." Uh, so um, he was wrong. Uh, yeah, you know what? My what mom thinks. and dad.
0: My mom and dad got me a subscription to Muppet Magazine oh, really? when I was a kid. Oh wow! And it was the it it was the perfect. It just hit me at the right time. Yeah, I, I, that's lo- it. I was yeah. so excited to get that magazine. Oh great! Quarterly. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: quarterly. Uh, it's I a, great no ma- idea. It a great magazine. It was yeah, fun, and it, what it good. did was train me to hear the voices in my head uh, of all the characters, right. so that when in the late in the you know eighty seven something around then um, they were starting to do home videos, right. Jim and and uh, and Jerry didn't want to write them, and uh, Bill. Did Crady, you know Jerry Jewel? Yeah, uh, uh, well, I knew I, I had met I I I, I met him. When I'd, they'd have a Henson Christmas party. Right. And all the freelancers would go and, and people who worked there. <laughs> and we would, we would bring Ziplocs and put the food in our pockets to, you know, yeah. free home. To, um, up at the mansion on, you know, the townhouse on 67th or 69th, right? 69th Street, yeah. Is that where you would work and, or would you work be Yeah, working that was from my another... office. That was the that office. That was your office. Ugh. Yeah. It's yeah, like I had great, an that office was a great there. Place. Oh, it was a magical place. It really was. It was just. Something the workshop was down below, and then you know the offices every end. You walk in and the the giant uh, three story uh, yeah. mobile, balloons, uh, right? Mobile, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you ever get to see that? And yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, it was magnificent. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah it's just it was just really great. so much. They were looking for someone, so they hired me freelance to uh, write uh, some home videos. Uh, hey, you're as funny as Fozzie Bear, which was. Uh, yeah. Either ahead of its time or really stupid, I'm not sure. But uh, I think you can actually see it on video. <laughs> I think it was online. ahead of its time
0: because they're yeah. trying to be interactive videos with the kid yeah. at home, which, you know, with, but it's a VHS tape. With no technology,
1: yeah. Right. yeah. It was like 20 minutes was your rehearsal, and then the last 10 minutes you, you stopped the video and you performed with Fozzie. Uh, that was the really idea. That's really
0: cool. I mean, what a great idea a that s- is. Silly, uh, stupid idea. We're going to hit pause on my interview with Jim Lewis for just a few minutes so we can talk about the great Muppet performer, Jerry Nelson. You know, in each episode of Below the Frame, when I'm interviewing somebody, the the last question that I ask is something that Jerry Nelson once said to me, uh, the advice about having your own thing that you create. And I heard that from Jerry when my wife, Kelly, and I were up at the Cape helping Jerry do a show. He, He had asked us earlier that spring if we'd like to come up and help him put on a show uh, that summer, which we would all write uh, together. And it had puppets in it and, that I had made and performed. And then, of course, there was music. And Jerry and his band played. And Kelly and I sat in for a number. And, and it, I mean, it was such a great time. And I got to spend a lot of time with Jerry at his home there up in um, in the Cape. And one night, while Jerry and I were sitting around working on the script, he said to me, "Matt, you know, being on Sesame Street is great. You will be able to afford things and save money and have a career, and that's that's fantastic. But you always have to have something that that you create that is all yours. And I've really taken that advice to heart. I I, I always have since Jerry said that to me. You know, of course, I have my band, the Mighty Weaklings, who used to play out in New York City, and we wrote songs and we even performed the theme song to this show, but." Uh, I also did puppet shows for my kids' preschools, and I tried to write things, shows and and movies and whatnot, and now this podcast. So I, I put this out to you out there listening. Always have something that you create that is your own, that feeds your soul and your creativity. So as you know, Jerry Nelson, he died in 2012, and his wife, Jan, gave me a bunch of stories that he had written. And I've asked people that knew Jerry to first share their memory of Jerry, and second, to read one of those Jerry Nelson stories. Today, I've asked David Rudman to do just that. Uh, One note, this is not a story about Muppets or puppetry, and it does deal with some adult themes. David?
2: So, I have a few Jerry Nelson stories, but one that I've been thinking about lately um, happened in 1989. It was at my wedding here in Chicago. Um, Jerry and Jan came, um, it was over the summer of July and, uh, R- Richard was here. Richard Hunt was here also. And he gave a really nice toast, a very long, very funny toast. So then Jerry gets up and he walks up to the microphone and he joins Richard and the two of them, I didn't know they had anything planned, but the two of them, um, proceeded to do a 2 monster bit. Without the puppet, it was just them doing the voices, and um, and it was it was something like um, wedding, hey, wedding, eat about the wedding, 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 hey, and then Richard went eat about the David, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and Jerry was like no, 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 Karen, that's my wife, Karen. Karen, and then Richard would was would say something like, no, no, David, hey, basketball. Hey, David, 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 David. We were playing a lot of basketball then. And then Jerry was like, no, no, Karen. Ooh, la, la, Karen, pretty. Ooh, da, And then Richard was like, no, David, David go Cubs. Hey, David, David. And Jerry would go back, and they went back and forth, David, Karen, David, Karen, doing really funny bits within that. Uh, and it just built to finally somebody, I think it was Richard, said, wait a minute. David and Karen, love, and Jerry went, love, and Richard went, love, and then Jerry went, love, and then the two of them kind of marched off going, lovey, 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 Anyway, it was very funny, and it was very sweet, and I have a great picture of them doing that routine, Um, and I will always remember it. 1956 at mike and claudia wogan's apartment down the hill from american university quite a few things happened here since it was close to the school it was a place to hang and there were parties there as well i first made love to fiorella there when claudia wanted to go to bed i took fiorella to virginia and we went to marshall booth's house and carried on there we must have made love six or seven times so i guess it was a little wonder that she got pregnant When Fiorella told me she was pregnant, I knew it was my fault, and I thought the best thing to do was be responsible, ask her to marry me. Fiorella was an exchange student from Italy who had transferred from NYU to AU, so there were some complications, but she agreed to marry me, and we were married in a Catholic church there in D.C. In her third month, we were on our way back to D.C. on the train from New York, where we had visited her uncle. Somewhere in Pennsylvania, Fiorella started having sharp pains, and as they got worse, I told the conductor I thought my wife was having a miscarriage. They stopped the train at the next town and had an ambulance waiting. She was taken to a Catholic hospital where she miscarried. I stayed with her for a while, but as I had very little money and they were going to keep her in the hospital for a week to make sure there were no complications or infections, I took the bus back to D.C. to get my car and scrape up some money. When Fiorella was released from the hospital, we returned to Washington, D.C. and finished the school year at AU. We had an apartment up the hill from Mike and Claudia. One evening, we were at their place, and Bob Rickman, an acquaintance from high school, was visiting from Virginia. There was a park across the street, and at some point, Rick, Mike, and I went outside and decided to smoke a joint. So we went across into the park. We had only gotten a little way up the path when a voice from the street yelled, Come out! We dove behind some bushes just as a flashlight stabbed into the darkness. The voice identified himself as a policeman and said to come out or he would shoot. I said, okay, I'm coming out. Don't shoot. When I got to the street, he asked who else was up there and I told him I was alone. He asked me what I was doing there. I told him that my wife and I had been visiting some friends, that we had had a fight, and I went outside to cool down and was just walking around. He didn't believe me at first, but I finally convinced him I was alone. He said he was taking me in anyway and marched me a couple of blocks to a call box. At the call box, a car full of cops showed up for a shift change and asked him what was up. He told them and said he was taking me in. A couple of them told him to forget it. One of the others said he did the same thing whenever he and his wife had a fight. He finally relented but said he was going to take me to the apartment I had said we were visiting and confirm my story. We hiked back down and he knocked on the door and Mike answered the door and confirmed my story. I stopped sweating and was breathing a sigh of relief just as Rickman shows up behind Mike and says to the cop, Yeah, officer, we were just up in the woods taking a leak. That guy was so pissed. I had convinced him with a lie, and he had bought it until Bob's smart-ass goof. I'm checking on you, he said to me. He did better than that. About three weeks later, Fiorella's mother was visiting from Italy, and we were just sitting down to dinner when there was a knock at my door. It was two detectives who had come to ask me some questions. They asked to come in, but I stepped into the hall and talked to them there. It seems there was a car theft gang working the area, and they had done their homework and knew that I was in school, lived in a nice apartment, and had a car. They were curious how I managed this. Well, I was going to school in the GI Bill. My father had given me the old family car, a 50 Pontiac in 1956, and had paid a half year's rent as a wedding present. They seemed satisfied with that, and I never heard from them again. Thank you, David.
0: A little later on, some music from Jerry. And now back to my interview with Jim Lewis. We were talking with Jim Lewis about the home videos that he had written, uh, the Fozzie Bear home video in particular, but now we're going to pick it up with Jim and his memories of Jim Henson. In all of this, working at the mansion, I'm assuming that you saw Jim Henson
1: around. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was was in London sometimes. Um, They were sort of gearing up to do uh, uh, the Jim Henson Hour. Because uh, mm-hmm. the first couple of years or first year and a half, I was like a freelancer I was I would whenever they need something and somebody was too busy, I would do it eventually. I weaseled my way into the you know they 've realized it's cheaper to hire him full time and I, get work, <laughs> I got to work i got to work I got to work with Michael Fritz, who was you know yeah. michael to me uh, was a mentor and a, just a wonderful talented, incredibly, you know, giving, it was just a, a joy to work with him. And, um, you know, then I would see Jim around. Yeah. Yeah. He would mm-hmm. you know, say things like, I, I didn't know it was silly tie day because I would be wearing <laughs> a silly tie, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's, it, that's, that's it. But my first real experience with Jim was we were shooting, um, I think it was Fozzie Bear Fuzzy bear video and he and Frank were on set we were shooting over at 67th Street at the little mm-hmm. studio there and um, I remember them calling me over and saying holding the script page and saying you know we're thinking if we cut this line and go right from here to here um, it'll it'll run better what do you think and all I could yeah I was frozen it was like Jim Henson and Frank Oz are asking me <laughs> what, what I think. think you <laughs> yeah. know, that, that was the, but that, what that showed me was that was the level of respect. Yeah. And of course, I stormed off to my trailer and said, when you come to your senses, <laughs> nothing. Keep if it's every on the page, nothing. <laughs> if it's on the page, it's on the stage, my friend. Um, so, right. no, they, they did the fact that they were like, they, they treated people with respect, and that yeah. was the thing about jim he he was confident enough and in his own abilities that he would like he wanted to see where you you know it's like we do now you want to take yeah. it from anybody at anybody who has a great idea great we'll you know we'll take it and let's we'll let's it. all let's all do it together so um yeah. that was that was a real big you know thing and um, not realized, I didn't realize at the time, but have since that it's not all that common in, in, no. in the business of show. So it's not. that's it. In fact, my, can I tell this other story? Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, this was when they were selling the company to Disney no. originally back in the early, uh, nineties, yeah. just really about, probably a, a year before or a little, yeah, about a year before Jim passed away. Um, and we all, they brought people from the workshop and performers and writers and whatnot down to, to Disney World for uh, just, you know, fabulous a week, you know, five days of just like whatever you want to do. You're, you know, you're staying at the Grand Floridian. It was just, it was incredible. It was what I later came to call the fatting for slaughter. But they, at the <laughs> they end of were, the were thing. Tre-
0: they were whining and dining you. That's whining what they and dining. Right? Yeah, see,
1: it sounds so much better. I, I hope you can edit.
0: That's a better. It.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but um, but no, we brought us. They brought us in, and then one of the things we were to do was to meet with Jim and uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was going to be overseeing the Muppets when they mm. came at that, that point to Disney, and um, the, the he it was myself and Bill Prady who later went on to in fame and and fortune with the big bang theory um and jim jim and jim and jeffrey and bill and i were there and jeffrey katzenberg gives this speech that he obviously had given you know for the last three hours to everybody else who walked in the room he said you guys are the writers you are the engine that drives this uh you really you know you, Matt, you're you're the creative visionaries but I should warn you we give lots of notes and I just knew in that moment I had to say um I just looked at him and said uh, well I should let you know that I write one draft and I don't let anybody change anything and for just an instant <laughs> Jeffrey Katzenberg looked at me like, "Is this guy serious?" And then Jim turned and said, uh, "Jim, you're fired. You can leave now." So Jim Hansen <laughs> fired me in the room. So that was a pretty uh, that, that was, was a high great. point. Yeah, that's it was really if, great. It's one, in a, and and I never worked for Jeffrey Katzenberg since. So there you go. Well, <laughs> you know,
0: that's a it gr- that's a good story. I like. It
1: was. Yeah, I knew I, I had oh, to man, take it. Oh man, that's great. you know, great. <laughs> he just he, he laid it in there. You know, he's just gonna he I'm gonna say something that everybody's wanted to say but is too afraid. But what are you going to do to me? I'm nobody. Oh, right, you right. know,
0: yeah, cut my head off. Well, you know. Plus, it was really funny.
1: <laughs> it was funny, yeah.
0: Yeah. That was so. good. So, uh, anyway. so that, obviously that deal kind of fell apart. Yes. Uh, yes, after Jim, Jim passed away. Jim passed away. Do you have any memories from that time? That I'm sure it was a oh, very difficult time. Uh,
1: I just, I remember getting a call in, might be at two in the morning. We were living in, in an up, Upper West Side of Manhattan, Um, Hmm. and uh, Michael Frith called at two in the morning, crying, and just said, "Jim's gone." And Jim and uh, Michael and I were supposed to meet with him. The the. Uh, whether that day, the day before or, and he just said, Oh, he's got a cold. He's not feeling well. Uh That's, that's all, all I knew. He, he was, you know, he's home. He's, he's back at the Sherry Netherlands where he had an apartment. And Mm he, you know, it was, you know, just stunned. And then we, the next day he went to, we went to the, uh, you know, the townhouse and just everybody kind of sat around and, and cried, and hugged, and it was, yeah, it was, you know, I think the one good thing that, 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 uh, during that time was the memorial service that, that we did, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is it gave people something to think about other than yeah. Jim is gone, you know, it yeah. was so totally out of the blue and unexpected, and, 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 you know, devastating on... It- on every yeah, level and it must have also felt kind of abstract it's so yeah
0: odd when somebody no, not, leaves you it doesn't seem real yeah, for
1: quite and, a while and so uh, you know not Jim was never sick a day in his life you know he mm. was one of those people who was healthy and you know he just yeah it was you Did know you think- I, I feel blessed that I had a few years of of being you know with him and you know getting his coffee and, you know, remembering (laughs) never, he never, if it's a show day, he doesn't eat pickles. So, okay. (laughs) Uh,
0: And I'm sure there were a lot of different thoughts going on in everybody's Mm -hmm. minds, but we were like, we'll never be able to recover from this. We will
1: never, Um, how can we carry on? You know, the one thing that, yeah, there was that, it was just like, i what is the future for the Muppets? Yeah, But again, the memorial service helped to f- focus it. The other thing was Jim, you know, Jim was hands-off once. I mean, he was the ship. Mm-hmm. But once he pointed the ship in a direction, we all head in that direction. And, um, you know, he would come in and tweak, and he would come in and give suggestions, or he'd say, if you really didn't, um, you know, he'd either say, uh this is coming together nicely. I remember yeah. that phrase when he was really overjoyed, did he? Oh, well, this is coming yeah. together nicely. Or he would he would say, <laughs> um, "Maybe we should try that again or maybe you, should, you know, he would he would nudge you in the direction yeah. that he thought it should go, uh, you know, based on his own sensibilities and but he gave you the rope, and you could either do hang yourself or make macrame. <laughs> and And I, I, I think I, I think we, a lot of us felt well we, he showed us how to do it, and we yeah. just have to keep trying to continue to do it, and that's essentially what what happened. and then you know, with the the Henson family coming in and everything, um, yeah. you know that was, that was the way that kind of structure remained and, yeah. you know. Well,
0: well, I mean it kind of goes to show that the company did decide to continue on right oh yeah after Jim Henson's death, shortly after. Yeah. You guys shot Billy Bunny's animal songs. That's right, Billy Bunny's and, animal songs. And that was yes. something that
1: you wrote? I am a happy hippity hoppity bunny kid. <laughs> and, with the uh, great with the great yeah, with the great Kevin Clash, yeah, of course. As Billy and Bunny. Others, yes. And uh David Gumpel, wonderful David Gumpel mm-hmm. directed. And um yeah, that's yeah, we shot that. And, um, you know, and then uh, the other project I remember, which is one of my all-time favorite projects that we did, was uh, Muppet Classic Theater. um, Yeah, 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 yeah. That that we did back in in the early 90s. Uh, And that, you know, that really felt like it was the biggest production we did after Jim had died. And it was the first, as I recall, the first... Well, other than the the Muppets Remember for the CBS uh, Memorial yeah. Special, they did, which was great, which Jerry and mm-hmm. Bill wrote. Um, but uh, the the Muppets Classic Theater was the first. Uh, you know, where all the characters were really involved, and it was telling a story, and it was mm-hmm. goofy, silly, fun. And for uh, I, you know, it, it never really got. I wish I wish it was re released on DVD or I or streamed it's on great. on Muppet. You know, it is. It yeah. was great. We had great music, and there were silly songs, and I yeah. got to work more closely with Frank. But because by the time I got to the Muppets, even in the mid eighties, Frank was. Off doing kind his of own thing. Off things. doing his thing. Yeah. It, although the rumor that the day I started work, Frank said I'm I i can not be here with him. <laughs> That's not true. It, it it's, it's exactly half true. Let's it, put it. It's, that. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it just <laughs> the timing right. was uh, right. Right. It's a so.
0: questionable timing. So you know that Muppet Classic Theater. When I think about yes. it, is kind of they're all playing different fairy yeah. tale roles, and it's right. kind of a precursor to what. Uh, Muppets did with Muppet Christmas Carol and the Treasure Muppet, Island. Treasure Island yeah. kind of. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. I, it's fun to see them play these different roles, but yes. they're still themselves. There's something about them yeah. is inherently they're still the characters.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, it's, it's that Marx Brothers sensibility. It's always Groucho. He's always being right. Groucho. Chico Harpo. It's just, you know, that was, the idea was yeah, they, how would they interpret these stories, you know? And also yeah. that was a, a lot of fun there was um, uh, you know, because there was concern about having Kermit up front because, because I mean, Steve at the time was still getting the yeah. getting his legs. Um, that we were able to have Gonzo and Rizzo, which turned into a great pair oh, that yeah. then did, you know, Muppet. Uh, Christmas Carol, you know that was yeah. really that was kind of their their tr- their audition reel for Christmas Carol, in that <laughs> they true. were just this wonderful duo oh, that had never really been teamed up before like that, and yeah. they just play. You know, it was Dave Golds and Steve playing off each other, and just and you know, it, it so was well. that same sort of uh, vibe that Jim and Frank had of yeah. you know they. You encourage each, other, which is you know, as you you well know, it still goes on. It's just like you guys know each other so well, and you take chances and go out there and and you know, and every once in a while you do a line that's written on the page, and I'm I'm thrilled, you know. I <laughs> I was just
0: getting ready to say, but every once in a while, I mean, no, it really helps to have the writing be there for the characters because yeah. that's yeah, points well, the you way give, to us you, I feel give
1: like. it a shape, you know, and no, not only I mean for something like a movie or a TV thing, you're. You're close to the script, but with everything else we do, it's more fun to just kind of give you a shape and an attitude mm-hmm. and and some lines and just say, yeah. you know, take it because you got you're the, the the big thing that I always said and have been saying is that they're alive, they're in our world, they're they're yeah. right there, and I still talk to Kermit when he's standing there. I you know yeah. I it's just you you, you uh, yeah. It's, I mean, somebody probably else has told the story about Jim on Johnny Carson, but I'm going to tell it. Yeah, please do. G- J- Jim was on Johnny Carson with Kermit, and Jim had Kermit next to him, you know, just sitting on his arm. Mm-hmm. And um, they were doing, you know, he was... Jim was, Johnny was interviewing Jim and, and then Kermit would throw in a line. And then uh during the first commercial break, the, the boom operator came over and said, could you have the frog speak up a little? Cause I can't, I, lo- I seem to lose him, be him because can't. every time the boom operator, Kermit would talk, he'd move the boom moved, over, he over he Kermit. the boom. That's great. And it's just cause he's so, you so buy he, into
0: it. Yeah. Everybody wants to buy into them, which is part yeah. of the magic That's of it. the Muppets. It yeah. really is. Yes. Well, now, Jim, we, we really do rely on you to this day. I mean, you've you've written speeches and, and, and pro- promotional material, and I mean, you name it. Hang tags.
1: You've written what is it? Hang tags. Hang, hang tags. Hang, hang tags. Oh, hang on, tags
0: for toys. Right?
1: Yeah, toys. You've written those. Yeah. Hang tags. Big. That, that was the joy also of working at Muppets, especially when we did start working with Disney on, on like theme parks and stuff. We were small enough staff with Michael yeah. Frith and, and myself and a, a few others that you got to work on everything. You got to oh, do yeah. everything from consumer products to. Yeah, they once asked, who do you answer to in the company? I said, whoever calls. You know, I just, I'm, I'm basically, I'm a posted at the bottom of the flow chart, but I'm, that, that was great to be, to be able to do that and, and, you know, try and keep the spirit and sentiment of yeah. the Muppets alive, you know, the you know Jerry was enormously more talented, and Bill Prady as well, and Kirk Thatcher, and you know there's a, a, a number of people. But I, you know, I, I'm just like the little engine that just keeps going. So, <laughs>
0: look, uh, any of the writers, uh, you, th- those writers that you've mentioned, and, and yourself included, I mean mm-hmm. knows these characters inside and out. They yes. worked for so many years on them, writing uh, interviews and all kinds of yeah. things. But since I'm interviewing you. Yes, I want to ask you this. So, I want to talk about like some fundamentals of the Muppets, of of who they are. If, if you had to tell somebody, let's let's call him Chuck Yeager. If you had to tell Chuck Yeager uh, who who the Muppets are, because they've never heard of the Muppets, and right. you don't want to just say you know there are it's a frog, a pig, a bear, and a whatever. But who are they as characters, as people? What would you say?
1: They're yeah they're these. Outcasts who are in, who are just totally accepting of each other, Um, you know that not that they're necessary. They just they're they're all flawed in their way. The least Mm -hmm. flawed is Kermit. Um, It's you know it's Jim and the people he gathered around him, but some of the you know but now as furry or pigs or whatever characters, <laughs> but it was, it was essentially reality reflected. I mean, mm. uh, Richard Hunt, you know, elements of his personality, Dave Gold certainly yeah. elements of his personality, uh, you know, f- Frank with the kind of, kind of really tight self to, you know, yeah. that comes out in different. And then the flamboyant side comes out with with piggy. Yeah. Um, it was, it, it's that, and it was, but the key was always Kermit appreciated what all of them brought to the party. He sometimes wasn't sure what they brought to the party, but he always yeah. appreciated. It. And that's what it so reflected Jim yeah. as the great appreciator. He he just like he you know, I came in, you know, I when I first actually sat across from Jim the first time, I, I was wearing, you know, a pink necktie and a and a cowboy boots. And it was just like he just like bought it, you know, yeah. that's it, you know. <laughs> It's, you, if you're standing next to Kirk Thatcher, you look pretty normal, quite <laughs> comparison. All right, now let's talk about some
0: specific characters because yes. you you do know them so well, yeah. And well. you've you've written books for them. You wrote a book for yes. Kermit. You wrote, wrote a book for uh, yes. Pepe the King Prawn, right? You've lived right. with them in your head for uh, yes. over 38 years.
2: Is yes. that about right?
1: Would you say that's about right? 35, 38. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, you can do this, and I believe in you. Okay. I just wanted to say that. So you're given an assignment to write something for Kermit, and you've said a little bit of it there, but where do you start?
1: Well, you know, he's hard because he is the most, he's the least flawed. So Mm -hmm. you have to... The, the danger is always to make him such a straight man that he loses the kind of manic energy. And you yeah. know, you know, this from performing, you just, you have to find the kind of over the top that, you know, Jim would bring to it uh, and, you know, and, but find the right trigger mechanisms to make that happen. So, yeah. but with him, you know, you, you definitely want that. And, you know, you, he's just, he's, in, in a lot of ways, the most self-aware character, uh, you know, he knows the others will say something self-aware, you know, in, in a certain context, but he's one who's much more kind of upfront about it, you know, yeah. about who the Muppets are and what they're doing and, you know, you know, it, that you're buying. If, you know, it, if you buy the fact that I'm a talking frog, uh, <laughs> you know, the rest is easy to believe, <laughs> you know? That's
0: true. So, well, uh, okay. Then uh, speaking of lack of self-awareness, mm-hmm. Ms. Piggy, She's complicated. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: She's, she's, I mean, I've sat down with Frank, you know, uh, even before, and then we worked briefly for a, about a year on a, 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 a feature that didn't Briefly for about a year. Briefly for about a year. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> I'm crying. No, it was, I, it was a master class because I would sit down. The great thing is that Frank had been away from the Muppets long enough, so yeah. he was asking me, would Fozzie do that? And that you know to be you know you know I'm, yeah. I, you know and he would want to know because he hadn't been inside those heads yeah. for a while and I had but no we uh, but yeah I mean Miss Piggy is just like everything it, it's been said she's a truck driver in a dress everything is a <laughs> denial of the fact that she's a pig yeah. but she has this you know layers and layers of 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 you know self. Denial about that, mm-hmm. um, but it's so flamboyant about it all yeah. that you just love her. It must be fun to write. For her. Oh, she is when you, when yeah, you get she, the right thing. When you get the right thing, and it's just you know, um, um, you know and she get, yeah, she's she she takes no prisoners. Yeah. One of the last things that we did with uh, Joan Rivers. God, God rest mm. her. Uh, it was, uh, we did a, oh, yeah. a thing that, yeah. I remember was, this. Yeah. And it was just, it was, you know, nobody knew at the time, but it was like six months before John Rivers, yeah. uh, passed away. And, um, but we did a little something that, you know, turned up on, on the, the morning shows and the E uh, entertainment tonight. Um, and we turned piggy having a feud. Yeah. And I remember sitting across from John Rivers' writers, who were extraordinarily funny. Yeah. And I said to him, you know, Piggy has gotten into little mini feuds with other, you know, with Deborah Norville or Jane Pauley. I said, <laughs> sure. but like, I said, this is not, this is more Ali Frazier. Yeah. To which, in the, uh, perhaps the greatest moment of, of Bon Mall, one of John Rivers' l- writers said, it's the Thriller in Manolo's. <laughs> which is That's a take good. on the Ollie yeah, Frazier yeah, thriller, thriller in Manolo. Thri- yeah. And Manolo, uh, I That's was just. The shoes. I, I, oh, come I on. literally. I literally. It's I, pretty good. I, I gave him my shirt at that point because <laughs> he was just yeah. so brilliant. But yeah, Piggy, is, Piggy has you know a wonderful over the topness. But Piggy's also all about anticipation. You anticipate mm. her losing it, you yeah. want her to be. Uh, you you want yeah everybody wants the karate chop but you don't that's right she you, you've got a motive uh, fr- as Frank always says you have to motivate it you, yeah. you can't you can't just do it or it becomes you know cheap shtick yeah. and but, she is yeah she's a uh, very in depth uh, but you're waiting for that
0: moment of like what
1: yes. going to be the
0: what's going to be the trigger what's going to right. do it right
1: oh, and cool. yeah and that's th- that's it um one of the things I wrote which uh, got made differently. Um, was, uh, it turned into, uh, what's the name of it? Uh, It's a Very Merry Muppet Christmas, Mm -hmm. which aired on NBC. But the original idea for it was It's a Wonderful Frog. And you could see it basically was, um, the idea was, you know, what would the Muppets have been without Kermit? And the great thing was I went around and I talked to Jerry Nelson and I talked to Dave Gulls and I talked to Frank about where would your character be without that's great. And it didn't quite get reflected the way I saw it in the final movie. But yeah, yeah, I remember Frank saying about Piggy that she would still have the dreams. Mm -hmm. She would still be going after that, you know, fame and and fabulousness. But because she didn't have somebody to believe in her, like Kermit believed in her, she would always be frustrated and Mm -hmm. always be kind of living probably in a you know, in a, uh, an apartment with a lot of cats. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, which I always thought was, yeah, that's a, that's great. It, it was, which, uh, you could say that about any of us and any of yeah. the other performers that, you know, what would you have been doing? What would we what would have you, been?
0: Yeah, what yeah, would we have been? Without it. Yeah.
1: Let's take a minute away from my interview with Jim
0: Lewis to hear a song from Jerry Nelson. I mentioned that show that Kelly and I did with him up at the Cape. Well, this is a song that I recorded During that time, at a jam session that was happening at Jerry's house, the band and a bunch of people were just sitting around the house playing music, and Jerry just, he started playing this one. So if you're a fan of The Muppet Show, this one may be familiar. Thank you, Jerry. We'll all hear more stories and songs from Jerry Nelson in upcoming episodes of Below the Frame.
2: Go, 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 below the frame.
0: We are back with Jim Lewis, and we're going to pick it up with more talk about the characters. You mentioned uh, Kermit and her relationship kind of with Piggy. Mm -hmm. So since the ABC series, they have not been together. They have very decidedly been not an item. And now I know that wasn't you. How do you feel about that, that they're not? Uh, I mean, because you know, we, we now have to reflect that reality because of that TV show. Yes. And we could say it was just a TV show, but we've kind it, of done it in a lot of stuff where we they're not together.
1: Yeah. I You know, I think it opens up a lot of possibilities. As long as it's never that they don't, they will never be together. I mean, there's always right. that. It's, you know, it's, it's the, it's, the the nice thing about it is it makes Piggy seem less, you know, de- codependent and yeah, and true. I I define myself by my relationship with you. So there is right. that. Um and I, but I love that they still you know I loved um what uh, I think it was around the Muppets, uh, Hollywood Bowl piece that, that that we were doing where they interviewed Piggy about Kermit and she was like oh. Did I date a frog? I just like she had no <laughs> right. ma- Again, totally the in denial. denial. <laughs> yeah. The denial was was wonderful, um, and you yeah, know, frankly, uh, just before D- Jim died, we were doing a thing. I remember shooting with Frank as doing Kermit. I mean, doing Piggy. Uh, an interview with Deborah Norville that was mm-hmm. on, when she was the uh, for uh, the New York for Today show during her brief stint there about Piggy declaring her independence we didn't say they were splitting up but it, that is. was we were going to try and see what we could do in terms of taking her you know making her less codependent and yeah. less that so it's not like it was invented for just the abc show um yeah i i don't i hate it for it to be one of those splits but i think it's like you know uh, you know everybody's hoping that Brad and 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 uh, and Jennifer Aniston get back together after that, you know. That's, yeah, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I never. I you. Um, you know, I think it, the idea that Kermit, I I more like the idea that Kermit was so caught up with his work that he ignored Piggy. I never yeah. got the I never got the other other Pig kind of thing. But although that right. might have been more in Piggy said than than in, in anything Kermit had to say about it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to bear
0: left and I'm going go ah, to go <laughs> to Uh who is Fozzie to you?
1: Me. Is he? Fozzie is me. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. But why yeah, is no, Fozzie you? What do you I think just, what, what is it about him? You know? Uh it's he, he just keeps <laughs> he's got nothing but bad jokes but he he's relentlessly optimistic that someday one of them's you know? going to hit one, is gonna land. one of them's going <laughs> to land and my you know I, he's fearless and i tend to be as you know from seeing me when we're trying to come up with a line and in, in the moment i'll say whatever is in my head even though it's a really bad idea just no, okay not. you don't like that we'll it's just keep brilliant. Going. i
0: love your ability to be able to just go nope okay how about this okay yeah okay, how no this? it's just how about that you know like, i'm great. not
1: a i don't write jokes per se but i think like he would think, and and I just that, you know, in that sense of yeah, you know, no matter what heartache he has in his life, he is just he's relentlessly optimistic. Even he really is he is he is the flotation device that when Kermit's going under for the third time, he's the one that says you can't do that. We need you, we yeah. need you. you know. And it is yes. he's the one who you know, you know, he's the one like share in Moon Moon. What was this movie Moon uh, Moonstruck. Moonstrucks. hits, snap out of it. You know, he essentially <laughs> is that, that Kermit. He's oh, the one who uh, he, he, you know, he's because he more than anything believes he 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 believes the dream that Kermit has, even when Kermit has doubt mm-hmm. in his dream. Fozzie still believes he doesn't. You know, and he is yeah, that oh, pure of spirit. That. Remember, we did something with um, uh, for the. No, it was for Muppets Tonight, we did something with Jason Alexander in which we were playing Jason and Fozzie as old comedy partners that they'd had a doubles act. (laughs) And it was basically going to be a Sunshine Boys kind of thing Uh um, where there had been an incident that split them up. And then, you know, in the end of the show, they would. And I remember sitting there with Frank and Frank saying, no, you can't. Fozzie would never hold a grudge. Fozzie would not. Fuzzy would just. So we kind of ended up playing it that way that it yeah. was a misunderstanding. But it was just like it couldn't be that Fozzie had a grudge because he's just not. He's a pure spirit. He's a. He's a. He's, he's a. He's a glorious pure spirit. So yeah. I, that's. I. I love Fozzie, and 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 in so many ways am Fozzie. So. Uh, how about and Ganza, Fozzie, You only do- have to learn five oh, yeah. jokes with Fuzzy. <laughs> no, you, you, that's not you true. Five,
0: you you've come up with. I mean, uh, six and seven. Okay, yes. I'll give you seven.
1: I was going to say a whole. And all of them stolen from Gags Beasley, so there you go.
0: (laughs) What do you draw on to channel Gonzo's mindset when you're writing about Gonzo? Is it Dave and you think about Dave? Yes. Yeah, you You think about uh, Dave is,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. A unique individual. He might hear this, right? Yeah, you no, no, Yeah, Dave, Dave is, Dave is, um, Dave really, uh, yeah, he's quirky, you know, and once mm-hmm. you kind of learn his quirks and what he, I know, I kind of sense, okay, he'll go for this. Yeah. You know, because, oh yeah, this is just, that is so left field, you know, yep. it's just a, where, yeah, and my mind sometimes drifts laterally in that that kind of, uh, you know, and I'll just say, well, this is really, this makes no sense. It connects to nothing. That's perfect for (laughs) Gonzo. And, you know, know, the logic of it has to, he has his own internal logic, but it is, you know, he's in a lot of ways, like um, Gracie Allen on Burns Mm -hmm. and Allen. You know, if you ever watch those, you watch that, her logic is absolutely spot on. It's totally, but you follow it. It's <laughs> a just regular
0: like, person would never think along those never lines. Never think along that. But but that's Gonzo. He does, just yeah. he.
1: A normal person would never ever you know consider it in, in that way. But that's Gonzo, and that's Gonzo. to some extent, that's Dave. So,
0: uh, do you have a favorite character that you love to write for?
1: Fozzie. I you like Fozzie. Thing, yeah. Pinky. You know, I know there's no, people say, which characters do you write for? And I'm right. just like, you know, whoever you need. And yeah, yeah. it's fun in that, you know, certain characters, it takes a while to kind of figure out their voice. Uh, Was there one that you were like, oh head.
0: man, I can't, I just can't nail it for a while i mean i feel like you've gotten everybody um, well,
1: it's, it's figuring out what the relationships are for most of them yeah. it's established walter was a little hard but you know after getting to know peter better and yes. and, and figuring out what his relationship is and what he wants within that yeah. then it becomes easier to you know i i, I think he's a wonderful foil for he is it. yeah and, then, and
0: walter is peter like that's yes. peter
1: it's yes exactly peter and and you know and then you know well because when I first started trying to write stuff for him, he was very scooter-esque, mm-hmm. and scooters, you know, and I, the one thing I love about what David Runman's done with Scooter, he's gone back to Richard, yeah, you know, and and really, you know, Richard could be just <laughs> just bizarre and wonderful. Yeah. What, a, what a wonderful man! I only got to work with him for a few years, but. Um, and and David Rudman, having worked so long with yeah. Richard, really brings that element. So it really differentiates those those characters in a way that uh, it does. You know, yeah. that that's that's good. But no, and and then you know Bill Barretic has come up with you know I mean Pepe, you just yeah Pepe's yeah. wonderful because he's that flavor we were trying to create. That he's a Muppet, but he's kind of outside the Muppets. He's kind of uh-huh. like he's the one who's just like you know you don't have a villain. I mean, Sam Eagle plays the, you know, Ma- uh, Margaret Dumont uh, to the Marx Brothers. Right. He plays the, the comic great. foil. Yeah. yeah. But we never had somebody who had a, a little bit with Rizzo, uh, but, but with Kermit, but, but we didn't have somebody who could, like, uh, not be evil, but have an agenda that is so contrary to the direction the Muppets, yeah. you know, are trying to go. And it, you need that tension to have the funny and to have that yep. and that's Bill brought that with it, with Pepe to, mm-hmm. to the to the game and that was that was great you know so
0: now you have this unique position as yes. a writer for the Muppets mm-hmm. and you you know you, you observe how we work a lot of times we're working in collaboration with you on set mm-hmm. and it, it is unique can you describe what you think it's like to be in on that collaboration I mean I hope you know like and I'm not alone here the Muppet performers think the world of your oh, that's writing oh and that's I I rely on you to help me oh, that's, that's, give voice to them.
1: That's that's extraordinarily kind, and that's that I've learned that it's just you have to trust each other. And mm-hmm. uh, I always describe us as a rep company. Everybody lives in different parts of the country, yeah. and they get get together, and you know, very much like the characters coming together, hmm. the performers come together, and. You know, what we bring, whether it's uh, Kirk and I or just, you know, something I wrote or whatever, is here's the platform, let's see what we can do with it. I mean, the most magical experience of that I had was when we were doing the Hollywood Bowl show.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to talk really about next. Was, I was going to yeah. bring that
1: up next, literally because of this reason, like I felt that that was such... That was, yeah, we came in with a shape of the show with Andrew and Matthew and Kirk and I, you know, we felt, okay, here's how it would flow. And in some ways, it was that the show that happened was the show we wrote, but it was so much better for all the elements that you guys brought and the, you know, the connective tissue and and just the ideas. Enhancements. embellishments and whatnot. You know, it helps for you to go in, you know, I, I, I always said, because you're, you're, oh, I love it. After when they finish shooting and the guy's staying, you know, the staying character and they are still doing, <laughs> that's the funniest part. And then, you know, I just say, okay, we'll let them work on the next thing without a script, you know? Yeah. You know? Let's see okay, how they do, do a funny, with, do a with funny no words. Part. <laughs> yeah, wait, you, you think it's funny? Go ahead, do yeah. funny. <laughs> oh, so, man. no, no, it's, it's nice to know that, you know, even if we guess wrong with what we write on the page, that it may Inspire as a reaction to, or whatever, um, you know, to get to the place we all want to be, which is yeah. you know the, what's 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 funny, what's the what's best fun- version of this thing, right, right, you know, which I yes. think is
0: you know from my vantage point, it was this dream collaboration. I love, yeah. I loved yeah. it, and it's- when we were doing those shows, which was two thousand seventeen. I said, wow. Did you ever sit out in the audience and get to watch the show? I did. I
1: got to see it, uh, actually, the last night at the Hollywood Bowl.
0: What do you think? I, I got, How'd uh, we do? How, how, were,
1: how were we? <laughs> oh, it's just sensational. Well, I had been there when we did the first thing like that, which we did as a fundraiser for, I think, Save the Children, maybe mm-hmm. eight or so years earlier, in a very small venue. Um, uh, but the first time we said okay let 's have the performers out in black on mm-hmm. stage you 'll see them, but you know we'll have cameras so people can watch it on camera yeah but um but you'll be able to see them and also see them perform and it was magic then it was something I was used to seeing from being on set, yeah, but uh, you know it was it was a joy for the the audience just you know obviously. Love the Muppets, but also just loved to see you guys. How, do you, how the hell do you do that? You know, here's the magic of doing it. Yeah. And at the same time, you guys disappeared, and it yeah. was all about the characters. You can kind of so. choose
0: which show you want to watch. Did you exactly. want to watch Up on the Big Monitors, where you were getting kind of a pure Muppet show? Yeah,
1: yeah Or do it. you
0: want to watch the stage, where you can see what we were doing and how we did it? And no, that was a whole and also of just
1: to, when things went slightly, you know, sideways, and you would react in character. Yeah. that's you know, that's, that's that's joy. That's great. You know, with that, that kind of you know, something goes slightly wrong, or somebody misses a cue, and just you know, the the reality of playing that and the audience knowing that you're playing yeah. the reality of that yeah. is just is it great. Is. And it's again, I always I was thrilled to be a part of that because I think that's something the Muppets can do that, you know, really, you really can't capture anywhere else. I'm glad that they did, uh, even though it's a, uh, you know, pre-recorded, the the show that they did at uh, um, the Hall of Presidents with that. uh, That was that same sort of, there's a sense of, of, you know, being alive. That's that, it's not somebody in a Mickey costume. Right, walking around being represented, Mickey. This is that's Kermit. That yeah. is Fozzy, and yeah. that I think that that was that was fun. And yeah, and and also it was one of the few times the, the Hollywood Bowl show was it was a big enough project that we got noticed, but it was a small enough project that you didn't have so many cooks. Yep, you know, like you do with a TV show that's or you right. do with a movie, where everybody knows better than. You right, know, and
0: it's sudden, and, like you talked about, very Mary, uh, that it kind of morphs into something that it, right the the pure idea gets distilled somehow. It still right. can be good in the end. It's just not yeah. Can thing we that you but were can started we started with?
1: Can we promote more NBC shows? So, let's, you know, <laughs> right. let's you know that uh, uh, yeah, I okay, guess so we, we could can. work that in. <laughs> that's not going to make it a perennial, but right. okay, you know. So that's yeah. you know, the, yeah, that's. Um, there was something about that and, and again Muppet going back to Muppet uh, tr- Classic Theater, it was again, it was a big enough project that it it, it had a, a mu- its moments but it was a small enough project that you know, we, we're basically left to our. the more we're left yeah. to our, not that, you know, y- y- other people coming in with fresh ideas is great and I, I you know, it, it's it's wonderful you don't want to just keep doing the same thing over and over, no, no, right? no, but but you also have to trust you guys. You have to, you know, b- believe in, in that, you know. You know what's best. I mean, as well as I know these characters, I always, I always bow in your general direction for, you know. Well, it is a, a, a
0: reciprocal bow right back to you yeah. because I really do feel that you're a, a key ingredient
1: yeah, in well, the success con- in, in the collaboration it's, of the Muppets, it's a, it's a small niche, but it's mine. You know, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm a one trick pony, but it's you know it's it, it's yeah. the principal source of my revenue, as the Paul Simon song goes. <laughs> and yeah, you've so. written
0: tons and tons of other shows that are not Muppet related. Yeah, I have done tons other things, things, and you know, but you know, you can IMDb those or Google them or whatever if you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. But so, right now, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Oh God. Okay? okay, it's okay. You can do it. I believe okay. in you, Jim Lewis. All right, I'm here ready. we go. Just whatever comes to the top of your head, and that'll be the answer. And I won't. We won't. You know, unless you, if you do think of a story you want to tell, please do. But okay. Otherwise, here we go. Just ready? What is the hardest part about being a writer for the Muppets?
1: Coming up with the new stuff that is not just recycling old stuff, not nice, it, not going to the same well every time, and I. You know, yeah. there's sometimes when you're under pressure where you're just like, okay, she'll talk to somebody off camera, and that'll be will do that bit. So you know, you, yeah. it's it's coming it's coming up with a new way to do something because people want yep. the payoff of the character that they know and love. They don't want mm-hmm. you to reinvent. Nobody wants to see, you know, know what uh, Molar and Curly's motivation is. Nobody really wants that. <laughs> they just want to see the funny part, yeah. but you've got you to find a new way to come to the funny part, and yep. that's, that's the toughest part of it. So well, then what is the easiest part
0: about being a writer for the Muppets?
1: Oh, that no matter what I write, you guys make it better. And I'm not just blowing smoke, it's true. You do. You absolutely do. Uh, what, you take, what, uh, You can take go. a nothing day and suddenly make it all seem worthwhile. <laughs> uh,
0: what's your biggest strength, do you think, as a writer?
1: Um, I think it's that Fozzie, uh, that no matter how bad it goes, I'm going to get out there and do it again, you know? I love that. It's just like, yeah, that's it. Do you have a biggest weakness? As a writer. Oh yeah, I, I just I am I think it is that I am a well aware that in the in pantheon of comedy writers, even Muppet writers, I am you know I am the I am Beauregard sweeping the floors after the show. Uh, that that I think is you know I, 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 there are funnier writers and and all. I am just I'm just, uh, I'm just t- tough to throw. So you know I Dis- disagree. I, 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 think my I disagree that. with
0: that. I'm disagreeing. Disagree. Okay. and (laughs) And I'm wrong about that. That's the other weakness I have. What's your, one of your favorite things about being a writer for the Muppets?
1: Oh, is the camaraderie the you know the collaboration yeah. not just with you guys and the performers, but with you know the workshop people? I mean, oh, I, yeah. I, I I wanted to mention Danielle uh, oh, yeah, who, yeah. Yeah, who who was there before I did. You know, she she saw me at uh, a, when we were doing Muppet Magazine. She was there, and and just you know those people. There's a there's a the, you know people who are you know uh, I've known as long as I've known most members of my family. You know, you know, it's it's just it's that yeah. collaborative. That's the best part.
0: Yeah. Uh, if you were not a writer, what would be your career? If you couldn't be a writer, don't say funeral home.
1: No oh, darn. Damn.
0: <laughs> I mean, unless that would be what it well, is, but I, I don't, don't no,
1: You know, I don't think it would be up to me because I'd probably be in the witness protection program. <laughs> so um, my chances are. You know, they would probably put me in, I was selling gardening (laughs) implements or something. No, I don't know. I really don't. That's a tough one. I, you know, I I knew that I didn't want to be a, you know, hard hit. I didn't want to be Mike Wallace going Mm -hmm. after, you know, hard, hard news like that. I did want to be funny. I wanted to, you know, make a living doing that because that's, you know, that's my, that's my reflex so I, mm-hmm. I really don't I, – I don't know what else, what it, else I would do, okay. which is great for my, for my <laughs> daughter because, like, she's in college, and yeah. she doesn't know exactly where – what she's going to eventually do. So she's, you know, studying ancient Roman Greek, <laughs> you know, history. And, you know, there's a lot of money in that, I imagine. I hope. There could so, be. I don't know. But, you know, but I said, you know, what – I'm going to – I write for Muppets. I'm going to tell you what to do with your <laughs> life? No. So, you know, it's just that openness. Uh, yeah. I really, I I can't imagine. I don't yeah. know. What's the best
0: piece of advice that you have gotten during your career? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I'm not going to give you any softball questions, Jim Lewis.
1: No, that's, I mean, I'm just trying to think. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just don't take it personally. I guess that's it, you know, because as a writer especially, yeah, uh, you know, you, you do pour out and you think the first draft is, is you know, God's gift to mankind, and then <laughs> you come back and sometimes you disagree vehemently with the changes that are requested, but it's just like, you know, hey, don't, you know, so what? It's your firstborn child and you had to kill it. Because, you know, and if they only shot what you, you know, that, so um, my advice is just don't, don't, you know, don't lose your, your sense of optimism and hey, you often, it it does become better and don't, don't let that, uh, you know, don't, don't take it too personal, you know, just, we're all working hopefully in the same direction and, 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 and fortunately with the Muppets, that's true. I think we've, we've always been, you know, everybody wants what's best, Mm -hmm. um, but it's very easy as a, as a writer, especially to just you know you you take the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune and uh, hold them heavy in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: do you do, do do you,
1: <laughs> do
0: you feel Sorry. that writing is rewriting? Or you're like, you know, two drafts, I'm good. Usually four
1: drafts. Four drafts, okay, four drafts. Four drafts, I'm good, yeah. (laughs) No, it's it's fine as long as, you know, when you feel like, okay, first the notes have to be intelligible. You know, it just can't be, it's not yellow enough. (laughs) What does that mean, you know? (laughs) How do I? You know? know, or it's, you know, there are things like, or people will say, Well Miss Piggy wouldn't do that. I've uh, actually have had executives say, Oh, Miss Piggy wouldn't do that I said, Oh really? But. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I I said, How long have you been writing for? Yeah. You know and so, you know, that kind of thing where you, you can't say that out loud, but that's you know right. what you're feeling. It's uh it's it's rewriting is definitely part of it. It it yeah. is. But you also have to like I also say, put down what you're thinking and feeling, you know. Uh that's why I'm never too precious about stuff I write is because I know it's going to either get changed or if they like it right out of the gate, I mean, that's just a bonus, you know?
0: Yeah. Jerry Nelson once said yes. to me, Jim, he said, uh, Sesame Street is great, but always have something that is your own, that you create. Yeah. What is that for you?
1: Um, well, I, like you said, I've worked, I've worked with other people and, I, I did you know I worked with Tommy DePaulo, mm. did some books with him and worked on a TV show with him and and um, uh, and also I, I did a Veggie Tales, and I got to meet with those guys and that was that was exciting. And I did, did Terry Fader in, in, yeah. for a couple of years then in Vegas, which was you know enormous enormous fun. and got to work with the great John Max, who is you know the, this generation's Buzz Cohen. Look those up, okay? Jeez, um, he's, you know, he, he, you know just incredibly funny people. Um, so, you know, having those other things was, has been good. This has just been my greatest love, and, you know, that and my family. I mean, uh, I, you know, that's, that's it.
0: Well, Jim, I really appreciate you talking to me. I, like I said, oh. I love, whenever I get a script that has your name on it, I'm always uh, eager to see what you've got in store. I sometimes I sell
1: it. my name to other writers because they oh, know. So I didn't yeah, know that. <laughs> yeah, I get, you know, I get naming rights on the script and then oh. sometimes, yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, the I, hell I, it is Regardless, I thank,
0: you, thank for, you for sitting down and talking with me. I, I, I really appreciate it. And I
1: sincerely it. hope that this tape gave, that it came I'm out sh- by I'm so. sure it'll be fine. Oh, good. Well,
0: that's below the frame. Please check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook if you like. Our show today was produced by me. Our theme song was written by Stephanie DeBruzzo and performed by The Mighty Weaklings. Our podcast artwork was created by Dave Holteen at com. Special thanks to Jan Nelson for giving me Jerry's stories and to David Rudman for sharing his memory of Jerry today and for reading the words of Mr. Jerry Nelson. Thanks to Jim Lewis also for being a part of this episode. It was such a great time talking with you, Jim. And thank you to you, the fans, for listening. I'm Matt Vogel. We'll see you next time when we go below the frame. Bye-bye. Go,
1: go, go below the frame.